Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Re'ei. This is a continuation of Moshe's uh, second lecture, or shiur, uh, as we uh, as we like to call it, or drasha, uh, continuing the theme of the mitzvot. And Moshe is uh, continuing this theme and talking about, uh, he will talk about specific mitzvot uh, as this uh, continues, uh, but there are a number of themes that he will develop during the course of this uh, section of his, uh, of his shiul. Uh, he opens up by saying, that uh, you, each one of you, has a choice. You have free will. Uh, placed before you is both a uh, the opportunity for a blessing, the opportunity for a curse. Uh, that is to say, uh, you have to choose between obedience to the mitzvot and the opposite. It's up to you. When you will enter the land, as Moshe has said before, uh, <clears throat> you will assemble between Har Gerizim and Har Eval, Mount Gerizim and Mount Eval, all of the tribes, and you will hear the blessings and the curses, and you will uh, commit yourselves to uh, to the uh, performance of the mitzvot and the consequences uh, thereof. Uh, as we uh, as we continue, uh, Moshe points out the importance of destroying idolatry everywhere in the land of Israel. Everywhere you go, you will see places that the uh, inhabitants have worshipped idols, but uh, you must not do this. Uh, you must instead destroy every form of idolatry. And then Moshe uh, makes a turn, uh, and we will talk about this turn a little bit more, uh, later on, uh, but he says, do not do so to Hashem in the land of Israel. What does it mean, do not do so? Um, primarily, it means that unlike the other nations that had multiple gods and therefore multiple places to worship their gods, you have one god, uh, and therefore you shall have one sanctuary. There are other ramifications of this uh, pasuk, uh, but uh, this is the main one we're going to uh, develop right now. Uh, there's one sanctuary in the place that Hashem will choose. This will be the place of offering sacrifices, uh, different types of sacrifices, uh, individual, communal uh, offerings uh, for the various uh, occasions, and also the offerings of the firstborn animals. This will be a place of national rejoicing, and we'll return to that theme also later on in the uh, parasha. Moshe reminds Bnei Yisrael once again that uh, you have a responsibility to take care of the Levim because they do not have land of their own. Instead, you have to support the tribe of Levi. Uh, there is a discussion about uh, the uh, other way of uh, slaughtering animals, and that is uh, just slaughtering animals for meat uh, in contrast to offering uh, 
them as uh, sacrifices. Uh, and when you eat meat outside the sanctuary, that will be permissible. But Moshe reminds them uh, they're not permitted to eat blood. Uh, and Moshe uh, concludes that section by saying, do not worship Hashem the way the idolaters worship their various uh, idols. And since we've been talking about idolatry, uh, Moshe uh, talks further on this theme uh, of various uh, people who might lead you astray towards idolatry and how important it is to avoid uh, anything that will uh, lead you astray uh, in the realm of idolatry. Um, first, uh, it is possible that a false prophet uh, will lead you astray. He will uh, uh, he will try to tempt you to uh, worship other uh, other gods. Don't listen to him, even if he seems to perform some kind of a miracle. Ignore it because Hashem is only testing you. Uh, that doesn't uh, that the miracle itself doesn't prove uh, that the this false prophet is right. The only thing that proves whether or not he's right is uh, whether he is in line with the mitzvot of the Torah. So don't listen to the false prophet. Um, and uh, if you find this false prophet, then you have to uh, eradicate the evil. And that means uh, execute him by stoning uh, in the presence of everyone. Uh, then Moshe goes on to uh, another kind of person who might lead you astray, uh, a, a personal uh, friend or acquaintance, even a relative who might try to entice you one-on-one uh, -on -one to uh, worship idols. Even if this person is a close friend, a beloved relative, don't listen, don't have pity uh, on the enticer. And once again, this person is executed uh, by, uh, by stoning. Uh, then the Torah talks about an entire city that has uh, embraced idolatry. Uh, the entire city worships idols. Uh, so in this case, the inhabitants of the city are executed by a sword. The contents of the city are uh, piled up and burned, and the spoils are never to be used, and the city is never rebuilt. This is a very <clears throat> extreme uh, way of dealing with uh, idolatry in the midst of the people uh, of Israel. Moshe uh, changes the tone uh, and says that you have to remember that you are Hashem's children. Uh, you are a holy nation. And Moshe then proceeds to talk about a number of areas of mitzvot that uh, stem from this idea that Israel is a holy nation, Hashem's children. First of all, don't mutilate your bodies. You have to take care of your bodies uh, and not do any form of mutilation for whatever uh, for whatever purpose. Uh, furthermore, still continuing on the subject of uh, taking care of your bodies, uh, do not eat anything that uh, the Torah deems is an abomination. And it's at this point where Moshe reviews some of the uh, principles of which uh, living creatures were permitted to eat and which we are not permitted to eat. This is something that was mentioned earlier in the Torah, but I remember that one of the 
things that happens in the book of Devarim is a repeat of ideas and also an expansion of ideas that we've had earlier in the Torah. So the Torah divides uh, creatures into uh, different areas, uh, different groups, uh, essentially based upon where they live. First, land animals. Land animals must have cloven hooves and chew their cud in order to be uh, permissible. They have to have both. If they have, uh, if they don't have that, even if they they only have one of those two, they are not to be eaten. Then the Torah talks about water creatures, creatures that live in the water. In order to be uh, permitted for eating, they must have both fins and scales. Then the Torah talks about flying creatures and includes a, a whole list of forbidden birds. Um, the uh, fourth group uh, of, uh, of creatures are what we might call insects, most of which are uh, prohibited. However, there are certain types of grasshoppers that the Torah describes that are uh, permissible, uh, depending on uh, how they are uh, what their their anatomy is. Uh, so there are some permitted grasshoppers. Um, furthermore, the Torah says that even if you have an animal that is a permitted species, what we would call kosher, uh, you are not to eat uh, from these animals if they have died without proper shechita, without proper slaughtering. Uh, and then finally in this section, do not eat meat and milk that have been cooked together, and we learned this elsewhere. Uh, do not cook them. Uh, do not eat them if they have been cooked, and do not even derive any other benefit from them, from this combination of meat and milk. Continuing on the, uh, the big theme of Israel as a holy nation, uh, the Torah then deals with uh, Maaser Sheni. Uh, remember that produce that is grown in the land of Israel um, is sub, it must be uh, processed uh, and certain parts of it have to be removed uh, before one can eat the remainder. Uh, elsewhere, we've talked about truma. Uh, here, the Torah talks about ma'aser sheni. Uh, there are two ma'asrot. The first ma'aser is not discussed immediately here. It will be discussed a little bit later. Uh, but ma'aser sheni is the second tithe, the second tenth. And uh, what's done with uh, ma'aser sheni is that it is eaten in the place that Hashem will choose. We know from later history that that is in Jerusalem. Uh, so it is brought to uh, that place. Um, if, the Torah says, the place is too far away, then it can be converted into money uh, to buy food which is eaten in that holy place in the city of Jerusalem. And once again, the Torah reminds us how important it is to care for the Levi'im. Uh, continuing on the subject of Maaser, uh, then uh, at the end of the third year of the cycle, uh, any leftover masrot, whether it's maser sheni or uh, maser rishon, which is usually given to the levi, um, that maser must be removed from the home at the end of the third year. And then the uh, whatever maser is in your home has to be made available, uh, available, of course, to the levi, uh, because the uh, maser rishon is for the levi. 
uh, and also for uh, for the poor, for the widow, the stranger, the orphan. This is uh, made available to uh, to all of those. Um, the truth is that there is such a thing as uh, maaser ani, the second maaser. Uh, in the third year and also in the sixth year is specifically for the poor. Uh, but here we're talking about what's known as biur maser, removal of the masrot from the home. And that uh, means if there's anything left over at the end of the third year and also the end of the sixth year, uh, then um, that has to be made available to uh, to everyone uh, who might uh, who might need it. Uh Continuing this theme of the holiness of the Jewish people, um, you have to uh, you have to observe the Shemitah year uh, in uh, in a way that it hasn't been discussed before, and that is the release of debts. Uh, earlier, the Torah talked about how in the seventh year, the Shemitah year. Uh, the land has to be allowed to lie fallow. Uh, but here the Torah also talks about at the end of the seventh year, the end of the Shemitah year, you have to uh, release those who owe you money uh, from uh, from their debts uh, in order to, as it were, push the reset button and make it possible uh, for them to get on with their lives because people uh, take loans because they, uh, they are behind. Uh, but if it were to pile up uh, beyond the seventh year, then uh, they may never be able to get out of it. So uh, at the end of the seventh year, uh, one has to release uh, others from, from those debts, and this will bring blessing both to you and to the entire nation. Uh, do not refrain from lending to others, uh, and of course, support the poor. Now, this is a very high level of uh, of relating to one's uh, fellow Jew, uh, essentially as a an extended member of the family, uh, that uh, if they've owed you money and they can't pay it back and it's gone this long, uh, just to release them from that debt, that's a, uh, a reflection of uh, the special holiness of the Jewish people. Continuing um, this idea of caring for the poor, uh, the Torah turns to the subject of freeing uh, Hebrew slaves, generally a, a fellow Jew who has been sold into slavery, has done so be, for a, because of a pressing financial need. Uh, either he uh, he cannot pay uh, certain things that he owes, or maybe he's very poor, uh, so he is sold into slavery, but he must be freed after six years. And uh, when those six years are over, uh, or when the end of the Slavery uh, comes. He has to. The freed slave has to be given a grant of material support so that he can uh, start his life all over again. Remember, the Torah says, as it says many times under many circumstances, remember that you were once a slave in the land of Egypt. So you have to know uh, what uh, what that is like, and you have to know how you would want to be uh, treated. Um, now, it may happen that a slave might refuse to leave. A fe fellow Jew um, who uh, finds the condition of slavery to be preferred, well, that's not uh, an ideal situation. Uh, he should prefer uh, freedom. So if he states very clearly that he does not want to leave, then uh, a, a, a hole is made in his ear 
and uh, he remains a slave, but only until Yovel, until the 50th year. And then all slaves, including this slave, uh, goes, uh, goes free. Continuing the idea of the holiness of the of the Jewish people, even the animals that belong to the Jewish people have a certain level of holiness. The firstborn of the animals uh, are to be regarded as holy. They're born into a state of holiness, and um, they are to be uh, sacrificed uh, and eaten by the Kohanim. Um, they are not to be uh, worked or shorn. The the uh, the wool is not to be used. Um, if it develops a blemish, then it becomes uh, permissible for uh, for anyone to eat. It loses its sanctity as a firstborn. Then anybody is permitted to eat it. Uh, but once again, we are reminded: do not eat uh, the blood of this kind of animal uh, either. Uh, and then uh, the Torah, once again, continuing this theme of the. Uh, holiness of the Jewish people uh, talks not only about the holiness of the body of the Jewish people and uh, the uh, possessions of the Jewish people, but even the time of the Jewish people. And it's here that uh, the Torah turns to the subject of the uh, the festivals, the pilgrimage festivals and the agricultural cycle, uh, the responsibility to uh, sanctify uh various times during the course of the year. And as I said, this uh, a topic that was uh, alluded to earlier because the temple, uh, the, the sanctuary will be the place where these uh, events will be celebrated. So the Torah reviews uh, first uh, the pilgrimage festivals, Pesach, and then moving from Pesach through the Omer, the counting of the Omer, and then uh, Shavuot, and then the pilgrimage festival of Sukkot. Uh, the Torah says that uh, all males uh, should make, must make the pilgrimage to the place that Hashem will uh, sanctify. We know later on that that place is Jerusalem. Um, three times a year, and when they come, they are to rejoice. But once again, uh, when you are rejoicing, you must also remember the needy among the people of Israel. Uh, let's uh, return to an idea uh, that we had earlier in the uh, in the parasha, uh, where the Torah says that uh, you are to destroy all the places of idolatry in the land of uh, of Israel, uh, and then uh, the Torah says, "Don't do so to Hashem." Lo ta'asun kein l'Hashem elokechem. Don't do so to Hashem, but rather. Um, the place that Hashem will choose from out of all of your tribes to uh, place his name there, uh, you shall inquire after his dwelling, you shall inquire, you shall pursue the place where, Hashem's, uh, where Hashem dwells, and you shall come there. As I said earlier, the primary meaning of this is that unlike the idolaters who uh, have many different sanctuaries for all their various deities. You have you have uh, a recognition and acknowledgement of one and only one God, and therefore you are to um, <clears throat> you are to have one place uh, where you uh, where you pursue, where you celebrate, where you sacrifice. Uh, when the Ramban uh, talks about this section, 
uh, he speaks in greater detail about what will it mean to inquire after this place. So he says, you will come from uh, faraway places and you will look for where is the place of Hashem. Uh, he quotes, the Ramban quotes from uh, Yeshayahu, uh, where people says, let's go up to God's mountain. Uh, and also from Yirmiyahu, they inquire of Hashem. Uh, seeking out God is not a passive thing. It's something that requires uh, us to actively pursue and look for connection with Hashem, look for the place where we can connect to Hashem. Uh, and uh, the Ramban says, furthermore, that this verb, Tidrushu, you shall inquire, means that you turn to the prophet uh, and ask uh, whoever is a prophet at the time, uh, where is the right place and what is also the right path to to get to uh, to that place. Um, and do, and uh, don't think, uh, says the Ramban, that uh, you have to wait for the prophet speaks. No, you have to inquire. You have to be what we would call proactive. Uh, you find seek out and find the ways, and then the prophet will respond to you when you find this with uh, many people uh, many people, uh, David, etc. cetera. Uh, this is what is meant by uh, inquiring after you. So you, you inquire, you pursue, you actively pursue a way of connecting with Hashem. And uh, the Ramban concludes this uh, section by pointing out that this word, lishichno, to his dwelling, this word, shichno, is the basis of the term and the con concept of the divine presence, which we call the Shekhinah, uh, the divine presence, which is uh, especially to be found uh, and especially to be connected with in the uh, sanctuary. I thank you very much for uh, joining me in this exploration of this week's parasha, Parashat uh, Re'eh. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher, for Parasha Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom.